This is Building Optimal, a podcast to help builders and remodelers take your construction business to the next level. Sean Van Dyke is a business coach and consultant to the construction industry. He travels the country speaking, and he's even authored a book, Profit First, for contractors. And if all that wasn't enough for you, he also has a fantastic hairdo. And you know the old proverb, always heed the wisdom of a man with good hair. This episode covers attracting talent. We're doing two more episodes with Sean, one on getting paid for your pre-construction work, and the other an episode on bad advice and other timely musings, such as thoughts about the economy. You can find Sean in his menu of offerings at seanvandyke.com. Also on social media at Sean Van Dyke. You can also get his book, Profit First for Contractors, on Amazon. Enjoy the episode. So, Sean, for a builder who's looking for a new superintendent or a purchasing manager or an estimator, where do we even begin our search to find the best? Well, it's funny that you ask that because everybody's struggling with finding talent these days and, and you get that question, well, it's just not out there and how do we find it? Where do we attract it? And uh, it, the easiest answer or the simplest answer and the one that's most likely to turn the best results the quickest is you got to turn to your existing employees. If they love working for you and they really enjoy their job, then they're going to tell their friends and their family about it. And within that circle of influence or that network of people, that's where you're most likely going to find your next best employee is by your current best employee replicating him or herself by talking to their friends or family. Uh, There's actually been some studies done that show that most people get their jobs uh, through acquaintances. So if people are out there talking about what it's like to work for you, and to work with you and they enjoy their job and they they're getting promoted or they're just excited about the work that they do, then other people are going to hear about that. And eventually that conversation turns around and said, well, gosh, maybe I want to work there or, hey, you know what? I know somebody that would be a perfect fit. Are you guys hiring? And uh, that seems to be uh, the best way. Now, you know, that, that takes some time. Finding that good employee always takes some time. But that's why I say it's not far from home. You got to look at your existing employees and have a conversation with them. And I, I even tell my clients, you know, what is it? What's the cost of making a bad hire? And how how long does that take? And you can look at studies, too, that show, you know, it's upwards of 20, 30, 40 percent of someone's first year salary. If you make a bad hire and they have to leave within that first year, you fire them or whatever. So, I mean, you run the numbers on that. I'd offer employees a bounty a signing bonus for their, you know, if they bring people in, I'll give you 250 bucks. I'll give you 500 bucks. If you recommend somebody and you refer somebody and they make it past whatever your, your onboarding period is, maybe it's 30, 60, 90 days or something like that. We did that at the uh, trim millwork company that I used to run. We had about 20 carpenters out in the field and, and, uh, the way to get to 20 carpenters, you run out of hiring carpenters pretty quick. Um, so we had about 12, 15 carpenters and we said, man, we still need some more guys. Um, we need another four or five guys. And so we just we just told them, hey, if you find somebody and they apply and they they go through the interview process and then they make it past 60 days, then we'll give you 250 bucks. And sure enough, after we started that program, about 60 days later, we had a company meeting. We called a guy in. I still remember his name, Jacob. 
called Jacob up front to the company meeting and we pulled out a, a wad of tens, uh, twenties and fifties and laid cash down there on the table. And he walked with it, man. You just seen the look on people's faces like, oh, these guys are serious about it. Like <laughs> we can actually make some money. And uh, that was a great investment and really uh, the simplest way to, you know, to find the right people um, was just to get our current people talking about it. Yeah, well, for my personal experience, the bad hires I've made, I, I don't even know. I've thought about it before. I don't even know how to really quantify it. I mean, I know there are different people that have have numbers out there and, and they're probably right, but it, it's almost difficult to quantify for me because there have been some that have been even exponentially more costly than what <laughs> they paid. I mean, like our worst hires and I've, I've made plenty. I will, I will admit I've gotten better over the years. And then on the flip side to it all, the top hires have exponentially paid for themselves. And you're, you're right. You know, the correlation between our good employees and our bad ones, the best people I've ever found have been through my personal network or through the networks of our existing employees. There's, there's a, very strong correlation there. So I think that advice you're, you're given is right on the money. At least it has been for me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where I'm always going to start, but I, I want to take a shotgun approach, especially with the labor gap that we have nowadays. It's going to be, even then um, it's going to be hard, but that's where I'm going to start. And I'm going to target that, like, you know, like a dialing that in, like in the sniper rifle, like I'm going to pick my best employees and talk to them and, and just, ask them, right? That's one approach. Then uh, another, you know, bullet that I want to have in the arsenal there is uh, to make sure that I've always got some advertising out there, not just advertising for my company and trying to get new clients. But I say you want to advertise your company to your ideal employees. There are employees out there. Again, this is another study, the Gallup folks that do studies on all sorts of things. And one of those has been workforce engagement over the past, I don't know, I want to say it's like 10 years or so. And they found that 67% of all employees in the United States, and the numbers are not that far different all over the world, but I think I've got this right. It's somewhere close, but 67% of all employees across all jobs are disengaged with their jobs. It means that they're just showing up or they're even actively doing something to look for another job. So two thirds of all people out there hate their jobs, basically, and are looking for something else. So I want to keep a marketing message out there for my ideal employee saying, hey, come work here. Here's the benefits that you're going to get when you work for us. And uh, because people are always looking, if you just wait and say, oh, gosh, we need some, you know, I need a couple of people on the crew. or I need an estimator. I need a project manager because next month we're going to be overwhelmed with work or whatever. This is probably already too late. You got to constantly keep that message out there. And just because you're advertising, or I call this just because you're recruiting, well, that doesn't mean you have to hire anybody right now. But part of recruiting is just like sports teams do. Hey, we think you got some talent. We'd like to talk to you. Here's our program. And when a spot becomes available, we'd like to take you to the next step. So I always want to have a pool of candidates in, my, in that candidate pool that I can draw from when I said, okay, three months from now, we're going to need this person. So two months from now, I better have made the decision, which means next month I need to talk to them again and make sure we can put together an offer. See, most people just are reactive with their hiring, especially in the construction industry. And I get it. I'm not beating up on anybody. But if you can get out in front of this process a little bit, give yourself some time to evaluate the clients and attract the right type of people, then 
you're going to weed through a lot of other people and you're going to make that right hire at the right time. So just like you said, the good employees, that's the whole point that they're there is they make you money, exponentially more money. It doesn't do any good to hire somebody for 60 grand a year and they produce 60 grand worth of work. No, I want to hire somebody and pay them 60 grand so that they're producing 180, $200,000 worth of work. Yeah. And like you're saying, the idea is not to be reactionary when you need to hire somebody, but to treat this as an ongoing part of your, your business to where you're constantly developing and refining and staying in touch with your pool of potential candidates. However, it may be social media actually is, I think, a pretty good, easy way to do that. And so when the time comes, you've already got that pool, you have it started and it becomes a more proactive approach rather than reactionary. That's my belief. And that's what I'm understanding you're saying as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You just got to keep the message out there. But then that's the other part of it is the message matters. And I see people doing this all the time and understand because it is reactionary. It's like, oh, we've got to hire somebody. And maybe they're even thinking a little bit down the road. So they put a message out there and that message is we're hiring or help wanted. And for people that hate their jobs, 67%, two thirds of people really disengaged from their jobs. When they see an ad like we're hiring or help wanted, well, it's not very inspiring because help wanted or getting hired for that job is what got them their existing job they don't like right now. So that message is like, well, okay, but if you really want to stand out, you want to, you know, deepen that candidate pool, what you need to do is you need to advertise just like you were selling. And you really are. You're selling what it's like to work at your company. So instead of saying, hey, here's the job and here's all the tasks and the responsibilities and the duties, those things are certainly very important for employee engagement and making the right hire. But we're talking about recruiting. We're talking about getting these people to look at you. We're talking about stop getting someone to stop scrolling and stop swiping and, and pause for a second and consider you. The way you do that is with a message that talks to them about the benefits that they're going to receive when they come work for you. So instead of saying, you know, we're hiring and here's all the jobs, just saying, you know, you got to speak to them what's in their head. You want freedom? Are you getting the advancement that you need in your current position? Do you want to become a project manager, an estimator, uh, operations director? We've got a program here that takes X, Y, and Z and turns them into one, two, and three. Like, see, that paints a picture of the path that they can be on. That's the message that's going to stop somebody. Then they'll dig a little bit deeper and say, oh, well, gosh, if this is what I'm going to get by working there, this freedom, this opportunity, this management path, this whatever it is, then they'll dig a little bit further and say, okay, well, well what's the position? Oh, I can do these tasks. I'm pretty good at these responsibilities. Oh, what now what am I supposed to do? Just like any advertising any good advertising has a call to action. Then you want to tell them, well, here's how you start the process. And so it's really taking a, an advertising or a marketing aspect to recruiting. And it's no different. It's the same way we buy products is we buy things and services because they benefit us. So we need to advertise these job positions and these opportunities in the same way. Come work here. Here's all the benefits that you get. And oh, by the way, here are the tasks and the responsibilities of this job. That's excellent advice. Take it beyond what we most of us do, which is we're hiring to the message that's going to actually benefit them. That's I had actually never heard that in those terms before, but that is a that's fantastic advice. Okay, let's keep going down the road here. 
So chronologically, we're attracting people and then we find somebody we want to hire. What's it actually taking to strike a deal with the top talent in today's market? What are builders having to offer? Yeah, like I said before, anytime you're recruiting somebody, um, you know, money's going to be an issue, meaning that's going to be probably at the top of the list. But most people think that's the most important thing. And again, I just go back to these business studies that have been done to show when you look at it, money is like number four on the list. So you can almost guarantee that if I'm interviewing somebody and I ask them, OK, well, what do you you know, what are you looking to make? Uh, what, what do we need or what do you need to come you know, work here? I can almost guarantee that the first number out of their mouth is a 20% raise from what they're at now. And that's okay. I don't, I'm not offended by that. I just know that every time you change jobs, everybody in their right mind is going to try to get a raise. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm not so concerned about, you know, if I'm, let's say, for example, I'm hiring a superintendent and my budget, I've got, you know, allowed, you know, an 80 or $90,000 uh, salary or whatever, 45 bucks an hour for a superintendent. And this is, you know, for a, you know, I would think a high end builder or something like that. Then that guy comes in asking 120. I'm not going to be offended because I know he hates his job. There's a reason that he's sitting in front of me. Right now, what I want to do is say, well, can I get this guy to make a lateral move? That's where we're going to start out at is can I get them to make a lateral move? So I'm not so much worried about the money. We'll figure that out. And again, I always put the pressure on the candidate to say, let's say that somebody, my budget's $90,000. Some guy wants 120. And we say, okay, he's not going to come over for 90 because, you know, lifestyle and all of that kind of stuff. So I might have to come up a little bit and pay him 100. Well, if he's the right person, then I just laid out in front of him saying, okay, at $90,000, you get like a 90 day grace period here to fit into the role. That's what you get at this rate. But you want $100,000. Gosh, no problem for me. You now have a 30-day window to achieve these goals. And that's the other important thing about bringing somebody on in those initial interviews saying, okay, here's the job. Now we've got them in the door. Now we're, they're sitting in front of us and we've somewhat pre-qualified them. They've, they've got the skills and the abilities and the experience to be interviewing. Now we're getting down to brass tacks and they say, okay, well, I want this much. Great. I want to pay you $200,000, but that means you're going to be responsible for X amount of revenue for the business. So give me a plan. I'm prepared to pay you 90. You want 120, but we're going to settle on 100. Now, you give me the plan based on these duties and responsibilities. How can you generate an extra $30,000 of income? Because my budget's 90 and I'm going to pay you $10,000 more. So I need to get a return on that investment. And you don't get 60 days to do it or 90 days. You get 30 days. Because, you know, you're an all-star now. You're at that level. If that's what you want, then here's how we're going to go forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does. And continuing then with that. So I like how you're tying that pay to their performance in a sense, which is, the, in my opinion, the second side of a, a good contract or a good agreement between two people. But so we get to that point and now we got them on our team. And uh, there's a lot of pressure in today's market. There's a lot of poaching, at least in my market there is. I think that this is probably happening in a lot of different parts across the state. So with all of that pressure, with all of that poaching, what are the best systems to retain these employees? Yeah. I mean, it's going to sound really boring to a lot of people because they want something exciting and, and original, but here's what it is. You got to have an organizational chart. And what I mean by that is they, the people that you hire have to know what the path is for them. So no matter where you're starting at, if you're starting at, you know, apprentice level, 
uh, mid-level technician, lead carpenter, superintendent, project manager, estimator, director of operations. I want to show people in my company, like, here's our organizational chart. Here's where this position fits. Here are the skills and abilities that uh, people that hold these type of positions have to, to do this job. Now, here's your progression. Here's one path that you could take to, you know, and hopefully you can show a path to maybe the CEO level, right? Saying you can start as a laborer and here's how you become an owner of this company. And I know it sounds a little far-fetched and people are probably rolling their eyes, but if you develop that kind of path and show people how to get there, it's up to them. You provide them with training. That's a whole nother, I mean, we do a whole nother podcast just on that. Uh, But you show them training, you talk about the values of the company and you have a plan for them. And I've said this on stage in front of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people before. Uh, and I just say, if, if you don't know where your employees are going to be 12 months from now, they will go work for somebody that does. And that's why it's so important. Every single employee, I don't care if you've got three people or 30 people, your job as the owner or a director or even a manager of the people that you manage, do you know where they want to be 12 months from now? And how can you get them there? If you can put that on paper when you can have those conversations with them, then you don't have to worry about them being poached. They're not going to be poached because they're going to go talk to yeah, they, someone else might be attracted to them. They're certainly they're certainly going to have conversations with other builders. But if you get them showing them or if you provide them a path and show them where they go, when someone else talks to them, they're going to ask that question. Well, I know where I'm going to be 12 months with this company. Where can I be 12 months with your company? And people will stumble around and they'll make all sorts of promises. And when you train your people that this is how a culture is created, this is what makes you successful here, then you'll find that your employees will come back and they'll probably tell you, yeah, I talked to such and such and they wanted to hire me, um, but I decided not to take the job because they were just offering me more money. But they didn't have any structure. They didn't have any culture and they didn't have a path for me like I do here. You can put a path in front of people. Um, and show them the steps along the path, then they'll stay with you a lot longer. Now, your all-stars, hey, some of them are going to leave, but that's just what A players do. And like you said before, A players, you always classify them as two types of players. Your A players are two types of people. One are your franchise players, meaning they're going to be with the the company for a very long time. They're going to be through the ups and the downs. They're always going to perform, and they're going to lead you to some championships, no doubt. Then you've got your, you know, your free agents. You're going to bring them on and for a season of, you know, whatever season is in your business, a year, two years, maybe three years at the most. And they're going to knock it out of the park and then they're going to get recruited and they're going to go to someone bigger and better. And a lot of people will say, oh, man, I can't, you know, Sean, we can't like invest in these people just to have them leave. And I say, but no, if, if your business is known as a stepping stone for all stars, then you get to share in their success. And I guarantee your business will grow because you're known as the kind of company that creates and multiplies all-stars. And when people see that, then you won't have to recruit anymore. People will be coming to you because they'll see the other all-stars that have left and gone on to other things, and you get to be part of their success. So I just say the key to it, and it sounds so boring, and it is because you got to sit down with a whiteboard and your team, and you got to write it all out, and then you got to, you know, visually you got to display it, and then you got to train people on it and tell them what it means. But you got to have an organizational chart, show people where they can go with your company. Yeah, and to your point, a lot of builders that I know are fearful of losing their their key employees. I am as well. But one way of looking at that is that it's symptomatic of 
greater success that you're probably having in your training and, and what you're doing to produce those all-stars. So that is the other way to look at it. Yeah. The other way to think about that, I don't, I think it might've been the management consultant. Maybe it was Jim Rome that said it. Uh, but he's, you know, people say, well, well, what if I train them and they leave? The actual question you need to ask yourself is, well, what if you don't train them and they stay? Right. The inverse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to go back to the number that you referenced earlier. I think you said two thirds of all employees are dissatisfied with their current. Yeah, disengaged, I think is the term that the Gallup folks use. Okay. Did you see anything that indicated why they were disengaged? I'm just curious what people's chief complaints are. Yes. It's really because they don't understand. They don't have information. Um, in the absence of information, people make stuff up and they just don't know where they're going. They don't know what their job is. They don't know how they're being measured and they don't know what they're supposed to do. And it sounds crazy to kind of talk about that, but I'll go in and when I work with uh, contractors all over the U.S. and, and I go in and do management, employee and executive training. One of the things I do is I'll I'll talk to the employees and I say, hey, by the way, what's your job? And they'll say, um, well, uh, I'm a lead carpenter, like lead carpenter, question mark. I'm like, are you sure? Because you don't sound He's like, well, sometimes I'm a lead carpenter. Well, what does that mean? What are your duties and responsibilities? Well, uh, and when well uh, is the first couple of noises that come out of somebody's mouth. That's a red flag. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know that they don't know. And I'm not beating them up, but but you'd be surprised. Many of your listeners right now are going, gosh, if I ask my people, what's their job title? What are their duties and responsibilities? They don't know. They're just out there doing the best job that they can day to day. And they're probably doing too much. So a big part of that uh, that research is just saying, you know, people don't have the information. They don't know how they're being graded. They don't know how they're being evaluated. So they start looking elsewhere. They're looking for meaning. They're looking for impact or they want to know how they're being measured. And then again, back to A players, A players love to be measured because that's how you're keeping score and they want to win the game. So that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of B players too. Um, you can't just have a team of all-stars. You need some B players. These are the people that just show up. They do really great work and they go home at the end of the day and work is not their life. They've got other things to do. Most entrepreneurs, they're not B players, right? So we can't turn it off sometimes, but I like B players too. Um, but those A players, Man, they want to know what the score is, how we're keeping score, and they want to beat the score. So you can be direct with them. You can tell them, hey, your performance is subpar. We need to get it, you know, we need you to get to here. They're not going to have any problem with that. Um, but C players now, C players, they want to hide stuff. That's why you go through the recruiting and the interviewing process. You can't have, you don't want them on your team. Um, but with the labor gap the way that we are now, we, we get so desperate. C players can kind of mask themselves as B players for a while. But in general, back to the original question, it's just lack of information. Yeah. Well, Sean, I think this was a good overview, which was my intention, an overview of how to attract talent on obviously a topic that we can go much deeper on. Yeah. But to keep this episode short, let's cap it there. And uh, before we go, I wanted you to tell our listeners exactly what you've got going on right now and where they can learn more about that. 
Yeah, so uh, I'm a. For those of you who don't don't know me, I'm a construction business coach. I specifically only work with contractors and construction business owners to help them streamline their businesses. And uh, you can find all of my information and more uh, value, what I call value content, on my website. That's SeanVanDyke.com. That's S H A W N V A N D Y K E. Dot com. And then I've also uh, got a new book out called Profit First for Contractors. Uh, the website for that is ProfitFirstContractor.com. You can go there. You can buy the book on Amazon and download a whole bunch of free resources. And then as far as connecting with me on social media, just type my name into Google. Um, I've done my homework on that side, so you should find me. But I'm pretty heavily on Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. So if you search for Sean Van Dyke on any of those channels, you'll find me there. Great. Sean, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.